Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This week on Must FC TV, we got something special and different for you for format wise and it is uh, absolutely fantastic i am giddy and you will figure out why i'm giddy i'm not going to wait to spoil it uh john astin is on this episode <laughs> john astin and Kinsey astin are on this episode we will be touching upon the adams family portrait of gomez and because i'm a stickler and i love to get them credits in we have to say portrait of gomez is the 13th episode of season two it was written by bill lutz leo salkin and henry sharp it was directed by Sindri Salkow. Uh, Prime Video describes the episode as Morticia's pet plant Cleopatra gobbles up her favorite photo of Gomez from the family album. And no, that does not accurately describe the episode. It goes crazy. But you know what? This is a, uh, <laughs> an actual dream come true. So uh, just like buckle up uh, because as you'll hear, um, I was not actually certain that John Aston was going to be a uh, baking. Uh. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Make a good appearance. So the surprise you hear is actual uh, mind-blown surprise. Enjoy and thank you so much. Uh, all the listeners for 100 episodes, please rate and review the show in iTunes. <laughs> Whatever, just here we go. This is amazing. <laughs> it's a perfect night for moon bathing, and it is time for Must Have Seen TV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. I'm your TV guy, Brett White, and I'm also a senior reporter producer for Decider.com, and this is part, I don't know, 22, 23, 24 of the quarantine era. This is just the new normal. 
uh, the quarantine air is never ending. We're just trapped in a nightmare, but not for the next hour or so because we're going to have fun because this is also the 100th episode. It only took me three years, I think, three and a half years. You know what? Sometimes you got to take breaks and you get to your 100th episode. When you get to your 100th episode, this is a very special one because we are touching on a uh, a recurring theme of the podcast, which is... TV legend John Aston, and this week I am joined by none other than Mackenzie Aston. Hello, Mackenzie. Aloha, Brett. Aloha. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on. In in uh, you know the the next best thing to having John is well, uh, is having <laughs> one of his issues. <laughs> well, here is the wild thing. So, Teenage Bounty Hunters, the show on Netflix that you are a part of, that is phenomenal. Yes. Um, I so because of my job, I get screeners early, and so I watch shows well before they come out, and I. Also, like, we'll watch shows having no idea, like, who's in this? What is this? I don't know. I just know that I have to watch it. So watching it, and then when you showed up, I don't know if your name was in the credits at the top no, or, like... Not, not at the top, Even no. in, like, in the guest or whatever. No. So when you showed up, it, uh... Unless you have... You resemble your father quite a bit. <laughs> we we do take after one another. And that's not, yeah. that's not always been the case, because I think when I think of Mackenzie Aston, I feel, still think of, like, you know... Teen Mackenzie Aston. Right, right. And, <laughs> and, and the truth is, uh, when I was a younger uh, pop, uh, the, with, and my face was uh, less long, I guess, well, I, I looked so much more like my mom. Mm-hmm. There, are pictures, there are pictures of me, you know, at 15, 16, 17 years old, 19 even, in a movie called Iron Will, where it's literally like watching Patty Duke run a dog sled race. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's, I think it also might be just like the way your hair is done in teen, it's very that Gomez, like side part kind of thing that totally. I was just like, oh, this is like if Gomez was a like Southern Baptist father of two teenage ragamuffins. <laughs> right, right, right. I actually, I auditioned for it. I had a mustache uh, and, uh, and they, uh, they, they, you know, they requested that I uh, take it off for the job, which I, which I, which I appreciated. Uh-oh. Hang on a second. That's my brother, Sean. I'm so sorry. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that... he, can, he can stick it. We're busy right now. <laughs> that is the most, uh, that is the most um, impressive drive-by cameo that the podcast has I, ever had. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, I, if I, I guess I could have answered on that computer, but oh, oh, <laughs> who's here? How you doing, Brett? Oh my god! <laughs> uh, hello, uh, John Aston. <laughs> surprise! Surprise! Oh wow! I like that. It just totally surprised me. Uh, hello, how are you doing? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Uh, th- thank you for dropping in. This is very surreal. <laughs> I uh, when I read your when I read your story, that was a great angle. In <laughs> fact, I'm gonna, I'm probably going to rewrite my bio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brad, he's talking, of course, about the article you wrote on his birthday uh, this yes. year. Uh, John Aston is the greatest sitcom guest star of all time. Yeah, I. It's true, obviously. I have talked about that many times with this podcast. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm totally um, flummoxed and uh, bewildered. Um, but uh, on the podcast, I have talked about um, the Adams family, which we're also going to do today, and also uh, Mary, which I love. The your eighty show with Mary Tell Moore. Yeah, that that was a terrific show. I think 
I, 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 I don't know, but somebody in Newsday saw an episode that they liked a lot, and uh, they had a headline on the story. I mean, it's not exactly what he said, but the headline said, the show should be called the uh, Ed LaSalle show. <laughs> and I have a hunch that Mary, you know, because she lived in New York and she may have seen that, which would not have made her happy. <laughs> and it was uh, such a great cast. You also had uh, Katie Siegel, who went on to be on Married with Children. Yeah. Such a killer cast, and I I really loved all of the the episodes that I've seen, and I think more people should see them. I wish that it had lasted longer. Yeah, we only did about eleven or twelve episodes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jimmy Farantino and I used to have lunch. Uh, uh, you know, he played the uh, the sort of romantic interest for yeah. Mary, a and uh, I. Uh, we we used to sit there at lunch and say, this is one great job. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It and really I was. Uh, we both loved working with Mary, and uh, <clears throat> the scripts were funny. And uh, the problem was that uh, the writers were used to uh, rewriting right up until the end. And Mary was used to having something set on say wednesday yeah and uh and uh they were rewriting up until say if we had the show on friday night i think we did in fact but uh <clears throat> she she really didn't like doing that uh and she tried to explain to them and somehow there was just a, a lack of communication there and <clears throat> so she wanted to get new writers but you see these writers owned a lot of the show and there wasn't enough to give away. And ah. so she decided to cancel the show God. because she couldn't get the writers she wanted. And uh, uh, that was that. That's such I a mean, surprise. you know, there are things, different things afoot when you go to the studio and realizes that the person you're acting with owns the studio right <laughs> that's right they shot it at uh at, at what is what what they call mtm mary tyler moore studios cbs yep. radford uh it's it's uh is i think it's it's given name but you know it's the house that she built yeah through a bunch of my like favorite shows i mean i love you know mary tyler moore and bob newhart show and all of those well, really great Katie ones Seagal was very good yeah god and actually all the the whole cast was a very very good cast and I loved playing that part yeah. because I could I could satirize all the <laughs> uh, intellectuals I knew. <laughs> <laughs> we also got we also talked about um, I'm Dickens. He's Finster on the podcast, uh, which I had never seen before. And then I uh, bought the DVD that only has the first half of the series on it. I want to see the second half. But that's another well, show that I, I had never heard of until I saw that it was your like first regular gig. And I was like, I need to see this show. It was my first series. Yeah. Well, not my my first regular gig. <laughs> uh, there was one show I was in in New York for over a thousand performances. Was that Three Penny Pop? Yeah. The oh, Three wow. Penny Opera. 
Uh, and that was that was the that was the American uh, de debut of that show, right? No, it, uh, the show had uh, played very briefly in the 1930s, and uh, I was the principal member of Mackey's gang. And the character I sat next to on the uh, on the bench when we were in the same scene together uh, was named Crookfinger Jake, and that's the part that Burgess had played. Oh, nice! In the yeah, and uh, it was uh, in the mid 30s. And uh, it, uh, it, see, it didn't have the uh, Mark Blitzstein translation, uh, um, and especially with the lyrics. Mark did a terrific job with the lyrics. Uh, uh, you know, there were, um, for example, uh, uh, Brecht, Brecht was a poet, and so, you know, his lyrics were very good. Uh, the, the song that was called the Army Song, uh, in, in German, it was Soldatenbohnen auf den Kanonen. And uh, that, that says, you know, soldiers live off their guns. And uh, there was nothing, you couldn't translate that and, and get with that rhythm. <clears throat> so Mark started, let's all go barmy live off the army and and then later in the song we travel into town and if the population should greet us with indignation we chop them to bits because we like our hamburgers raw <laughs> wow and, and uh wow so it captured the whole flavor of it or uh the tango ballad was uh in my side the längst vergangenist and uh, <laughs> um, uh, and Mark translated that uh, the, that was not a literal translation, but he rewrote it a bit so it would work. But there was a time, and now it's all gone by, when we two lived together, she and I. And, uh, <laughs> so when was that, Pop? When 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 was Three Penny? That was in the late fifties. It opened in. You wanna. You know, I want to hear a, an interesting story about that. <laughs> yeah. Actually. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I think it, it, it's a very profound story, really. An actor, a friend of mine named Alan Bergman, who was probably my best friend. Uh, he's unfortunately no longer with us, but uh, <clears throat> he got on the subway and he picked up a copy of uh, the, the News or the Mirror one of those and he saw a little article in it that said uh there's an open call for the three penny opera and um uh and that so that that was about all i mean it was you know like an inch or so the you know yeah. very short and he called me up and he said hey there's an open call for the three penny opera down in the village he got the address from the newspaper and so she said, you want to go? I said, sure. And so the next morning, which is when it was, uh, we went down there and uh, <clears throat> uh, there was this loft up on, the, you know, about four floors up. And we went there and you could hear there was a room with a door closed and you could hear uh, all these opera voices singing, you know, and uh <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I, I I tell you, I just I flashed on something that there is a recording out 
of a Kurt Weill, uh, uh, a Bert Brecht uh, opera called Mahagoni. And there's a recording out of that that has Audra McDonald oh. starring on it. And it she is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I mean, she's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> but... Anyway, uh, I, I had to say it because that, I, I heard it a few weeks ago and it it blew me away. Everybody in it is good, by the way. Uh, Patty Labone is in it. And, and, uh, Legends. But, but, but Audra McDonald is really extraordinary. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> there so are all these the voices coming from this little room and... <laughs> Al and I were standing. They had lined up a bunch of guys, and we were in this long line. And they they walked uh, sort of up and down the line as though we were standing there for inspection or something, you know. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, would you believe it? They picked me out of the line, and uh, <clears throat> they said, "You uh, come here," and they sent me into that room. And uh, uh, I heard somebody in the back of the room said, uh, that's the act. And uh, uh, this guy with a mustache, who later turned out to be Mark Blitzstein, uh, said, uh, do you sing? I said, I can carry a tune. And he said, well, OK, uh, sing Down by the Old Mill Stream. Now, that's a difficult song. <laughs> Down by the old mill stream where i first met you with your eyes of blue dressed in gingham too so it took me you know a little bit to find a key and then i sang it uh <clears throat> and uh uh <clears throat> he looked at me uh, i looked at him and I, I said, are you equity or non-equity? And I said, uh, which is best? Because <laughs> he knew I was smart. going to lie. And, I, uh, uh, and they figured that I was non-equity when I said that. Uh, um, so they didn't say anything, and they, uh, they just went away. I got a message on my phone service to prepare a singing audition for the Three Penny Opera. Holy shit. Helen never heard from anybody. <laughs> I, so I was, uh, uh, I, I, I found uh, a young woman I knew who had done a lot of musicals and, and she, uh, uh, she helped me out. She said, John, what you want to do is get something where you can talk some of it. You know, and uh, I later found out when I was doing musicals that that was a very worthwhile thing to do <laughs> because I, I talk better than I sing. <clears throat> but that I had problems when I in Gilbert and Sullivan. Actually, I, 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 I succeeded fairly well in Gilbert and Sullivan, but that's just because the, the part fit me. Anyway, I, uh, I prepared this audition and I worked my tail off on it. And <clears throat> I finally got a call to come in and sing. So I came in, I walked in the room. Actually, that's where they said that's the actor. Yeah. And uh, I, I came in 
And uh, I was ready to sing this song. I picked to brush up your Shakespeare, you know, <laughs> brush yeah. up your Shakespeare. Uh, so you, <laughs> I was talking and that, that was not music. <laughs> okay. So anyway, uh, this guy with the mustache said, did you sing for me? And I said, I did eight bars of Down by the Old Mill Stream. And he said, what did I say? <laughs> and I said, you didn't say anything. You nodded. <laughs> and they said, all right. Uh, and then they asked a question about equity or non-equity and, and, so, and so on. And I left. And based on that, I was cast in the show. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I... I I was in it for over, well over a thousand performances. Gosh, yeah. So it was a meal ticket. Uh, of course, it was a scant meal uh, when <laughs> we were in rehearsal because we got $5 a week for rehearsals. Jeez. And $15 a week. Uh, 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 that was the non equity people, yeah. After we opened, and uh, $25 if we did good business and we sold out actually every performance sold out and uh we got actually we got terrible reviews <laughs> but we didn't have an empty seat and most of the standing room was sold every night and we ran for and the critics just killed it uh as a matter of fact you know how people collect the quotes from the reviews oh yeah and, yeah Type them up and put them up on the bulletin board and that sort of thing. And I put up uh, on the bulletin board, I put up all the lousy quotes. <laughs> <laughs> three Penny Opera in Tuppany production. Uh, <laughs> three Penny Opera falls flat on its face. Amateurish acting. Good, and good sense of humor. Good all, to, you know, not take yourself too seriously. <laughs> One night, about a tenth performance. Brooks Atkinson, the dean of American critics, came to see it. And <clears throat> ever since opening, we had all, all the actors had, we'd worked on it, really worked hard. And we happened to have a really good night and the show clicked. And he went back to the Times and wrote a, a Sunday article that was a rave of the show. And uh, uh, but we had a lease on the theater. This is a theater that's now called the Lucille Lortel Theater. <laughs> Actually, her, her husband, uh, whose name was Schweitzer, he owned he made all the cigarette papers huh. that were sold either in a package or around uh, pre-made cigarettes. And so he was, uh, you know, had a few bucks. Yeah. In the <laughs> uh, and he was married to Lucille. And uh, that's how the theater became the uh, Lucille Lortel Theater. Uh, but that was after Three Penny was there. We had to close because our lease ran out. So after three months, the show closed. And the next show that was in there, a friend of mine was in that show. Uh, Atkinson said, bring back the three penny opera and fast. <laughs> the current offering 
is not in the best interests of a stricken city. (laughs) Wow. That's high praise. (laughs) And then the next play that was in there, he started his review with Bring Back the Three Penny Opera. (laughs) Oh, shit. And he did it three times with three shows. As a super fan. (laughs) Yeah, and that made, that really made it. Uh, A year and a half later, we reopened and uh, they cast a little bit, uh, a recast a little bit, uh, but it was basically the same show that Atkinson saw that night. And uh, there were some really talented people in it. Uh, Charlotte Ray. Oh, wow. Was Mrs. Peachum. Uh, Joe Sullivan, who later did Most Happy Fella and ended up marrying Frank Lesnar, mm-hmm. the composer and writer of Most Happy Fella. And uh, Dooley. Joe was in it. Um, B. Arthur was in it. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, God. Uh, with the great voice. Yeah. And uh, she played Lucy, and there was uh, there's a one of the numbers is a jealousy duet between Lucy and uh, and uh, uh, Polly, and uh, one of the uh, one of the phrases uh, uh, is uh, the the little one says he likes a sweet petite girl, and then B would say. He likes a big, complete girl. (laughs) (laughs) It was it was very funny, and they were both terrific in it. And uh, Charlotte was great, Uh, and um, uh, I I enjoyed the part I played. I'm glad I did. I did it. (laughs) I have to ask about because I don't think I've ever heard you talk about one of my favorite roles that you've ever you ever did, which is the Riddler on Batman. You are you're my Riddler. I made my own. (laughs) I put a I put a Gomez head on this Riddler body because they never they never make uh, John Aston Riddler stuff. So I was like, I will do this. I loved doing that. Yeah. It, it was fun. I had always sort of wanted to run around in my underwear, you know, <laughs> and uh, this was a chance to do it. And I had been working out, so I was in pretty good shape. And uh, You always have to I'm get not- in shape <laughs> for, for superhero roles. If you're going to do a Riddler, yeah. Yeah. yeah how, did, how did you get assigned that? Because in what, like Frank had... I, I have no idea. They just like called I you no up? Idea. Like- I had... Uh, uh, a three penny was suddenly canceled. Not three penny, but uh, Adam's family, and uh, none of us really knew why. Uh, <clears throat> nobody really knew why, because it was, uh, you, you know, like the reruns. Uh, three penny opera ran for about eight years. At one time, it was the longest running show in New York history. Wow. The Fantastics outdid it uh, by a long shot because uh, their numbers went way, way up. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, like Three Penny, the Adams Family was instantly popular. Yeah, well, the Adams Family uh, it stayed on the air for uh, thirty or forty years. Still now, there's a whole Pluto TV. The streaming service just has an Adams Family channel that just plays it on a loop. Like it's still, uh, it's still is that where you saw this. The, what, the show that you're talking about today? No, it's also streaming on Amazon Prime. And so, uh, and I also 
do I own it in multiple formats? Probably. <laughs> but I, I, when I was watching Batman, I noted that Carolyn Jones did a two-parter as Queen of Diamonds, I think was her character. Yeah, and then like a couple that. episodes later, it's your Riddler episode. So it seems kind of like they were like, oh, they're available now. Let's bring them in. <laughs> yeah. I, I found, actually, I didn't know when I did it. I didn't know that she had done uh, something on it, too. I guess it hadn't aired. At yeah, that probably point. not. <sighs> we were friends for life uh, mm-hmm. after uh, after we did that show. Well, she was it shows. I mean, yeah, it shows. You can see it just the way you guys. I, I, you know, having just watched an episode for the first time in in, in a long, long time, but the the chemistry is palpable. You know, it's so clear how much you guys love each other and how much the whole family loves each other. Yeah, yeah. that was. Uh, <clears throat> That that was the result of of the show. Uh, you see, uh, David Levy, um, who was the creator of the show. Uh, I mean, it's funny. I I did a, a movie for Filmways, and they got a lot of good preview cards on me when they screened it. You know, on a mm-hmm. test screening and so on. And uh, they called me in. And they made a uh, three-picture deal with me. And uh, so uh, uh, that was, uh, that sort of stimulated some activity. And oh, where was I going with this? Oh, Adam's Family? Was that getting cast in Adam's Family? Oh, Adam's Family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Adam's Family was one of the projects. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, that works out. Yeah. Yeah. And they said, uh, interesting thing. I they called me in, and I I came in, and uh, the room was you know filled with people uh, who were all executives of one sort or another, and uh, uh, there was uh, the the desk uh, was commandeered by the CEO of the company, Marty Ransoff, and Marty was behind the desk, and the guy whose desk it was was uh sitting on the sofa yeah <laughs> power <laughs> <And> move <laughs> this guy sitting rather awkwardly on a straight back chair in the center of the room uh and and you know the people sitting behind him he couldn't see and he could see the desk and and my chair which was uh, was next to uh, the desk and anyway marty said uh we're going to do the cartoons of charles adams and uh, we want you to play the butler and uh uh you'll have a non-exclusive contract and uh uh and i figured this will never happen (laughs) (laughs) and i started thinking about wearing lifts and so on to to the butler and uh I left the meeting thinking that nothing would ever happen. And uh, I got a phone call and it was David Levy. And he said, uh, now this is a guy, as a matter of fact, he was sitting there and he, I, I said, I don't know you. Uh, I said, what have you done? <laughs> I would think of it's a terrible thing to ask. Uh, but he said, uh, well, I'm, I'm producing now, but before that, I was vice president of NBC in charge of programming. <laughs> Just a little <laughs> old job. That, 
<laughs> I was vice president of Young and Rubicam for 20 years. <laughs> and uh, right. and I, I did the first uh, uh, telecast presidential debates or whatever. All right, so he was qualified. Yeah, yeah, he but, knew what was up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, actually, he coached Eisenhower for television. That's what he did. <laughs> He Jeez. was also involved in the debates too, I think, but which was later. Uh, but uh, so he called me up and he said, uh, "I'd like to, uh, I'd like to buy you a drink. Can you meet me at the Polo Lounge at the Beverly Hills Hotel?" And uh, I said, "I'd be very, I'd be delighted." <laughs> anyway, and so we sat down and ordered martinis, and uh, he he said. Um, uh, they kind of gave you the wrong idea in that meeting. He said, um, this show is really Father Knows Best with other people. And he said, <clears throat> I want you to play the father. Yeah. Smart. And Smart move. <laughs> I said, wow, that's great. And so we... Uh, I don't remember whether we ordered another drink or not, but we <laughs> we began to discuss the characters. And because I was introduced to it that way, I had a chance to contribute mm. to the character. And so a lot of the good stuff in Gomez was stuff I suggested. Uh, I, I said, I think the romance between the husband and wife should be on a grand scale, mm -hmm. grand romance, nothing uh, pedestrian. It feels um, very epic, even though they never leave the living room, basically. Like, every episode is pretty much just in the house, but it feels like they're this worldly love, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, uh, there were other sets yeah. to this. Uh, there was the uh, the the study where Gomez had the trains. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was a, a dungeon <laughs> where the bed of nails was. <laughs> and uh, they also, <laughs> they had the bedroom uh, a few times, but the first time they had the bedroom, uh, they were trying to comply with the, uh, the rules. You could not have the married couple, in those days, sleeping in the same bed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they had a twin bed and they had they had put on the beds. Uh, they were like sort of little wooden kids beds, sort of. And <laughs> mine said his and uh, hers said hers apostrophe S. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I said, can't you change that? <laughs> and they, they didn't have time or something. And oh, uh, they the should next have been... time they used it, they took the apostrophe away. I feel like it should have been his and hers's. <laughs> right? <laughs> <Is> that... <laughs> and hers's. Yeah. I also, I wanted to talk about the physicality of Gomez because like in, in this episode, in the the portrait of Gomez episode, you're hanging upside down from a chandelier, which I'm assuming was a stump person, but there are close-ups oh, where you I, are, where I, you I, are I hanging. Was hanging yeah. there, but it wasn't a chandelier. Yeah. I was hanging. It was actually a, a trapeze uh, 
bar. But uh, the uh, my that, that was that was you, Pop, the whole time, no double or anything. Uh, I don't remember Chuck doing it. Uh, and, uh, and there are some full shots of me hanging there. <laughs> uh, but he looked a little bit like me, and and he worked on my movements and stuff. So uh, some of the tumbling stuff that was done, uh, he did. But uh, uh, he taught me to hang. He had formerly been in the circus. He, he was a catcher in the circus. And uh, so he taught me how to hang upside down on the trapeze. <laughs> that really gets behind your knees. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> it was very painful at first. And you just have to grin and bear it. And gradually you build up a ca- uh, callus there. And, uh, the guy's name was Chuck Couch who mm. did it. And he was a really fine uh, stunt person. And you also he, did he, all the standing on your head. That was all you, I imagine. Yeah. Actually, the first time it happened, they wired me up. <laughs> and I didn't like it. And uh, and I, Chuck heard me saying that. He said, I'll show you how to do it. And he did. And oddly, it wasn't that tough for me to do. You just set a three-point thing with your head and two hands, and you balance mm. on those three points. You also... And, why, don't you, why don't you show us, Pop? Yeah, go, on, go for it. <laughs> you know, I, I used to be foolish enough uh, in, in making a public appearance. People would yell out, stand on your head, stand on your head. <laughs> So I would stand on my head and all the change would fall out of my pockets. (laughs) And then that's how they get you. (laughs) So I learned to remove the change. (laughs) I also wanted to like, so I have been Gomez for Halloween a couple of times. I, um, in, in quarantine, I even did a a half hour, um, Gomez in quarantine show for Instagram because that's the life I live. Um, the makeup is, the makeup is, uh annoying to get off because <laughs> gomez has like it's like eyeliner eyeshadow like i don't know like what was that experience like getting into like the full goth kind of look well i wanted to minimize it yeah <laughs> and they wanted to maximize it and uh <laughs> in fact they wanted me to try to imitate the character that charles uh drew yeah he's this like short and, kind yeah. of like Stumpy, yeah, like a, a round Peter Laurie might have done it, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, but because he had a, a round face, you know, I said it would get in the way of the romance, <laughs> you know, I, uh, they wanted me to shave my head up to here, you oh, know, God. like this. Yeah. Like that weird bowl cut kind of thing that he has in the art. Like it's a really, and they put a lot on there Yeah, and, uh, it became a big fight <laughs> and, uh, who won? This was the first season, not long after we opened, and I I remember uh, being told by the uh, head of television, uh, uh, if you don't like it, you can quit. <laughs> Jeez, well, <laughs> and I thought, whoa. Now I know Carolyn had been dissatisfied about something, and they acted right away. They found somebody, put her in Carolyn's costume. And Carolyn came around, but I I knew they would never find anybody as good as Carolyn because she was 
the last person cast and we auditioned with many people and some very beautiful women uh, would come in and uh, they just didn't have it, you know, and uh, uh, Carolyn did. Yeah. And it, 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 uh, we didn't have a mortician until somebody thought of offering the part to Carolyn and she oh, didn't wow. have to read for it or anything. She's uh, top billed. Like she's the first name on the show in the, in the opening credits. She's actually my contract said to top billing actually. Oh. And they told me that Carolyn wanted it and <laughs> I gave it to her. How very Gomez. Yeah, very me. loving. Yeah. Very loving. <laughs> I don't know if she knew that I did that. But uh-huh. no, uh, I wanted her to do the part, you know, and Obviously. Uh, I, something would stand in the way. And I always had in my mind that in Route 66, Marty Wilner, uh, Milner, Martin Milner was billed over George Maharis in that. And it was George Maharis who emerged from the show. Yeah. Uh, based on the performance. You, you, you know, I think he was the original character in Edward Albee's The Zoo Story. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I can just throw in something about 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 Carolyn, um, uh, you know, having just watched an episode, like I said, for the first time in a long, long time. And 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 when I was younger, having, you know, watching the show, of course, my eyes are automatically drawn to my dad and watching what what, what he's doing and what he's up to. But this recent rewatch really, really, really gave me a much the more uh, clearer indication of, of, of how much strength she brought to it and how much, um, you know, uh, how much the family dynamic was dependent on, on her direction and, and the, you know, the, the, the strength and, and, and they vibe between the two of us. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it was just, it was, it's a, it was one of the things that really struck me uh, uh, just watching it uh, yesterday and, and again today. And that and for me again, and I'll shut up in a second. Is uh, you know obviously no, watching your stuff, Bob, which is so so great. But but Jackie Coogan's timing is just so it's it's just um, it's preternatural, just so damn good. Yeah, now, all of you guys, the timing I've together. I always enjoyed scenes with Coogan because of that, Mac. Uh, he was a real trooper. Ugh. Well, in this episode, you have the really funny moment where he's taking your photograph and like the tripod is buckling. And so he's getting lower and then you're getting lower. And then just like you're both like flat on the floor, which I think is so that that physical stuff. If if my pants were going to rip, I would have been able to do a split there. (laughs) But I don't know. We're in danger of going. (laughs) Did y'all find that physical comedy like during rehearsals or was that written in the script or like, how did y'all develop those kind of physical gags? I don't know. Some of them were written an awful lot of the writing and he's not credited for it was done by the producer who was Nat Perrin. Yeah. Yeah. Nat Perrin, Nat Perrin had come to Hollywood at the request of the Marx Brothers, yeah, to write for them, it's a big pedigree. <laughs> yeah, and he would he would do stuff that was uh, reminiscent of some of the stuff that they did. I I, mean, I remember one time he, he said to me, "You remember the?" Uh, he said, "My boy, 
uh, he almost calls me my boy. <laughs> my boy, um, do you remember the stateroom scene uh, with the crowded stateroom? And I said, yeah. He said, do you think we could do that with Cousin It's room? <laughs> and he, he was uh, a, an, another person on, uh, on that show who became a friend. I, I really loved that guy. And his stuff was so funny. He had a great sense of humor, and uh, I, uh, I I miss him. I had a great opportunity uh, at the uh, at the Friars Club in uh, in Beverly Hills. There was a table. A couple of the guys who were the first writers on the Adams Family were Ed James and Seaman Jacobs, mm-hmm. and they were both both of them. They, they were a writing team. And and they uh, they had were wrote, wrote for Bob Hope actually. Jeez. Uh, they were part of that team of writers that was with Bob Hope, and and so a lot of the former Bob Hope writers were would have lunch there at the Friars Club, and uh, uh, Nat and David got me into that lunch, and uh, at the table. Uh, Frequently, actually, was Sid Caesar was at that table frequently. And the guy who was the head writer on that show of shows that picked all those later to become famous writers to be on that show, uh, to write for that show, like the Simon Brothers and Woody Allen. Carl Reiner? Shelley Keller and uh, uh, Larry Gelbart. Mm -hmm. Uh, they uh, They were people that this guy, Mel Tolkien, T-U-L-K-I-N. And his his son, Michael Tolkien, is a a very fine writer. He wrote The Player. Uh, He's written other stuff that I really loved. I uh, I'm a fan of his. So, so we're 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 in we're in the Friars Club in the middle. Oh yeah, of- and right. there's these people sitting around this table, and there was Mel. There would be Mel sometimes. Hal Cantor, who was uh, one of Bob Hope's number one writers, actually, and uh, a wonderful guy, uh, <clears throat> a very distinguished man. There were Hal, uh, Sid Caesar, uh, Ed James, Seaman Jacobs. Other of the Bob Hope writers uh, right, right. now were also would also be there. Sometimes Louis Nye would show up and sit at the table, and uh, that was always a delight. And uh, occasionally Carl Reiner would come and sit down with us and be part of the table. And uh, so uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, just- <laughs> You're around so much. Well, you are. You're. You're. Uh, you are a legend. That's, I was gonna say you're around so much history, but it's like, well, you are history. Like you are an icon of, uh, part of, of the, television part history. Of the tapestry. Yeah, like, and you you got to work with so many so many fantastic people. I I, I also really loved your um Odd Couple episode. What what was the difference between like because like that was shot in front of like a live studio audience, whereas like Adam's family was single camera or it was more shot like a film right well that episode of the odd couple oh was that in the first season i I was i I was very friendly with both tony and the people who wrote that show yeah uh it was uh, gary marshall and uh, jerry belson Mm -hmm. uh who wrote it um it had uh it was not a, a show that the network liked 
at that stage. And they called me up and they said, uh, one of the two writers, uh, or it might have been Tony, I don't know, we, we, we had a lovely relationship. Whoever it was said that they didn't think the show worked with the laugh track or with the audience. And they wanted to show that the show was really funny without a laugh track and without and so they wrote this very funny character for me to yeah. play buffy yeah it was a you know take off on hugh hefner yeah yeah and uh it uh i i really enjoyed uh playing it but uh, but i i did certain things in it that would provoke a laugh regardless of a track yeah or not and somehow the network people saw what was happening there and said let's go with the show <laughs> And uh, <laughs> so uh, the Odd Couple became a, a huge hit. Of, uh, I don't know. Did you watch it a lot, Mac? Uh, well, I've seen some of it in 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 reruns, but it it, uh, it was one of Tom's favorite shows. He, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's like. I mean, I would have been pretty small. It's like seventy, 70 to, to seventy-five. Yeah, yeah. It, it predates yeah. it predates me by uh, three years. And so, but I, I do remember watching some of it in 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 reruns. Obviously, it's funny because because I it took me a second to accept uh, the performance to accept Lemon and Mathau because I'd gotten accustomed to Randall and and, and Club. Yeah. When I when I saw when I saw the the film, you know, which was first, obviously, I was like, well, who are these fucking guys? Yeah. <laughs> these aren't my guys. What? Right, right. I was wondering, just having yeah, watched, they, they overtook the original people in it. You yeah, know? right. In, in on stage, you mean? Yeah. Well, it was actually oh. uh, Matthew and Art Carney on stage, and then and then Lemon did the movie. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Wild. Um, you know what I was thinking when I was watching the the episode uh, uh, Portrait of Gomez? I, I uh, you know because the laugh track is 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 evident. Yeah. Well, uh, I was wondering what it would. I mean, because it, it's interesting because it's funny anyway. Yeah. Uh, and our approach to laugh tracks now is so much different than it would have been uh, presumably in in sixty five, sixty six, sixty four, sixty five, sixty six. Um, but I, I wonder what it would be like to watch the show without the laugh track at all. If there's any way to pull it out. Oh, I'm sure people yeah, well, can. My, my feeling was I didn't like it. Sure. And so I wanted to make sure they heard the lines, but I threw away a lot of lines. And the post-production guys would come to me and they would say, hey, John, could you give us a little more punch at the end of some of those lines? Uh, uh, we'd like to give you more of a laugh on there. <laughs> and, uh, I said, well, I'll give it a try. And I never did, you know, you know because uh, that that reassured me that if I kept on doing what I was doing, they wouldn't put too much laugh in after my stuff. I also, there's a really funny line in this where where they say, like, I'm going to, where you say, like, I'm going to wear my best suit. And you're like, yeah, I found my best suit. I bought 12 of them. Because, uh, <laughs> like, that Gomez suit is one of my favorite all-time suits. Every... Every Halloween, I come around of like, I just want a, you know, navy pinstripe suit just to own. Um, and I'm like, I could use Halloween as an excuse. I could do it. And I never get around to it. Uh, I don't know. What, what what was it like kind of wearing the same thing every episode? I mean, did it get monotonous at all? Or? I always knew where it was. <laughs> <laughs> what, were there 12? Did you actually have multiple of those suits? 
No, in, in the first year, I had one. <laughs> and then they got another one. And I can tell the difference between the two. No shit. The different cut in the uh, slightly different cut. In the did they both have? Did they both have the? Uh, what was the lining of the pocket of the of the the coat pocket, the vest pocket, so you could um, uh, throw the cigar in there? Asbestos. Wait, <laughs> that's fantastic. That, yeah, I, mean, I listen. I <laughs> I was worked on sound stages repeatedly for many years and the walls were made of asbestos really? and they would cut that pocket filler right in front of me and the flakes of asbestos would come up into the air oh jeez <laughs> all over me uh and you know they'd brush it off the suit that's and fine <laughs> shoot it <clears throat> so i'm fortunate that i didn't uh, pick something up from that <laughs> Yeah, I also really like in this episode, the very first scene is a classic Adam's family moon bathing scene and your, I don't know, <laughs> moon suit bathing. I don't know what that <laughs> I really love, love that, I guess, swim, swimsuit kind of that stripedy, stripedy get up. <laughs> yeah, it was a 1904 uh, swimsuit. <laughs> Were those custom was all the stuff made for you or would was that like a vintage like? 50-year-old swimsuit that they found. No, this was an economical show. And uh, uh, a lot of the stuff was... Uh, actually, my, my suits were from Western costume. And uh, so others had worn them. <laughs> wow. What? That, is that would crazy. be that would be such an exciting kind of uh, you know uh, uh, detective uh, uh, cinephile uh, yeah. job to try to to try to track Gomez's suit before it was Gomez's suit. No, don't give me a project. I've already done. <laughs> I've already documented everything Bob Newhart wore in the Bob Newhart show. So, <laughs> and I, I love Gomez so much. And I was like, I could do that for Gomez, but it's like he wears a suit, and then sometimes the swimsuit. Sometimes a fur coat and top hat over the suit. <laughs> well, in this episode, you also wear the the driving outfit. You have the the white coat and the like goggles and stuff. Do you remember anything about shooting those car scenes? Was that like actually driving on a set? One of the complaints the network had is that is that uh, the people who were doing the show uh didn't go out more and they their phrase was open the show up more that was right in the studio they <laughs> driving uh you know the dmv or whatever yeah. it was was uh uh one of the offices at uh, filmways yeah yeah i get it's funny i could almost recognize uh uh one of the the the, the shot that's on the 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 fellow that, that gives you the driving test there's one shot of him when you guys get back from the uh the test having gone uh crazily wrong where you can see uh the the top of one of the sound stages in in the background and and i you know i i'm not unfamiliar with that lot uh i've auditioned there a number of times in the past uh you know 20 years well, and so I was trying to picture, you know, tr trying to recognize if I knew exactly w w the corner of which building that was. But it it's it's interesting. I wanted to ask you, Pop, and I don't know if you can, you know, recall this, but the 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 shot where you guys are just outside the uh, the, the house, the mansion, before you get to the D 
DMV, um, which is hysterical because cousin it, you know, Felix, <laughs> I would imagine, is underneath the hood uh, with the curlers uh, in his hair. And, um, and you do a, a wonderful bit where you're ready to go forward uh, and you say, Alavante, and then and then the car reverses. Well, and I'm, I was curious as to whether that was, you know, uh, th- three or four uh, Teamsters and, and uh, gr- burly grips <laughs> pulling <laughs> pulling the car or if you were actually if you had it in gear and, and reversed as you pretended to, as you were expecting to drive forward. I, I would presume on the stage that they probably wouldn't have the car running. But who knows? Maybe the asbestos would just absorb the CO2. <laughs> Uh, no, that was not on a sound stage, though. That was on the lot. Mm. That was on the lot. Uh, yeah, but it, it was a small lot, you know, right right off of Santa Monica Boulevard. Uh-huh. And uh, in the middle of uh, Los Angeles. So there was enough smog there to... Uh, <laughs> to sell it. <laughs> pollute the uh, breathing <laughs> situation. Right. <laughs> I wanted to ask Mackenzie, did you ever visit your father while he was working on any sets or anything? You were obviously too oh, young sure. for Adam's family, but did you ever go? Yeah, plenty, plenty of them. I, I was actually lucky enough to visit the set of the Adams <laughs> Family Halloween special in 1978. Yes. Um, which was uh, a, a terrific and a delight and in color, yeah. which I think might have thrown some people off, to be honest. Um, but it was, uh, you know, I was tiny. I would have been four or five. Yeah, yeah five. Uh, yeah, <laughs> visiting visiting the set. And, and so... Uh, you know, I, I have scant memories of it, um, but, but, you know, it was wonderful. And a, a number of other sets uh, <laughs> uh, over the, 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 the years. I, I didn't visit him. God, I don't think I visited him on the Facts of Life set. He, he was in an episode uh, in the, in the uh, I think it's the sixth season early on, and it's later in that season is the first time the character that I played yeah. for four seasons thereafter um, w- was on. But I don't, I don't, I'm not, I can't remember if I visited you on that set. I know, I know I went to the set of uh, the, Ch- uh, the Charmingtons. I think that was a show, the Char- Charmingtons. Oh, the Charmings. Or Charmings, something. the Charmings. That's right. That's where I <laughs> Whatever have... happened to that show. Well, I, <laughs> that was I, a, that was a good episode. That, it was that... a great episode. I had a very, very scary experience for <laughs> a young man who knows some secrets, who was terrified for his father's uh, sense of dignity. And I'll tell it, Pop. I hope you don't mind. Right? <laughs> well, no, not a problem. <laughs> so so my dad wore, wore a, a, a toupee for a number of years after his hair went away. But uh, but for work, you know, because people recognized him as uh, yeah. as a fellow with, a, you know, with a head of hair. And however, in in the Adams family, that's my real hair. Yes, of course. In of the course, Adams family, with some spritz on there. That that's sort of the Frank Sinatra method. <laughs> some spritz. And then finally, he had to wear a tube. Since you brought it up, just as quick side note or whatever, that's honestly something I've always wondered because when I see game show appearances, when you would do like beat the clock and like tattletales and stuff like that, you right look as you do now and that's in between you know you you don't you, you're not wearing the toupee at that point but then you're acting you are and i was like that's really cool because there are a lot of actors that you know get that toupee and then cling to it and it's like you will never see me without it <laughs> and I, I i just always respected the fact that you were like very upfront of like this is how i look i'm gonna go on a tv show like this is you know a difference between john Aston and the characters you're playing I don't know. Yeah. I just thought that well, was cool. I I wore the the tube in daily life for a while, 
uh, probably a little too long. Uh, <laughs> and uh, because uh, the wig maker I used, who was a real artist, had actually worked with Bert Brecht in the oh, wow. Banana Ensemble. To bring it all home. Yeah. <laughs> he and his wife. But uh, he he uh, retired and uh, moved to Hawaii. And uh, you are neither know. here nor there. <laughs> I don't know if he's still around, but so so you did. This, so there was an episode of the Charmings in uh, in I don't know eighty four, maybe eighty five, eighty six, somewhere in there. And you played the devil, Dad. You you were the devil. <laughs> that was the actual character. You were the devil. But they didn't know the within the context of the show. They didn't know you were the devil. And there was a big reveal at one point where you said something clever and you started to uh, sing and dance the song. Soul Man, the Sam and Dave, I think it's Sam and Dave, Soul Man. You know, it's a, a relatively popular. Yeah. But what, what happened? I, 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 did a, I did a Brown imitation. <laughs> right. James Brown, Brown in it. You know, with my leg out and right, uh, right. So, but but it, but a huge a huge fan comes on. One of those big mothers, like five feet, you know, uh, 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 wide. Yeah. Uh, to you know, to blow all this crazy smoke through the set, and it's a it was a four camera tape show, so the audience is there. The, 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 you know, the cameras are all set. Uh, the scene is happening. I'm totally unaware of what's going to happen. The music comes up. Dad does the dance. The fan comes on. They reveal he's the devil. He's singing Soul Man. And the wind is blowing so, 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 so hard. <laughs> and I am in utter terror <laughs> that his toupee is going to fly off in front of all these people. And like, you know, and, and there will be a, there will be a, a, a moment of great embarrassment for, uh, for, for my dad, the, the for my dad, the actor. And so I said to him afterwards, you know, the little kid, I said to him, I'm so glad that your, your piece didn't come off. I was so worried it wouldn't come off. He said, Macker, I've got that thing stapled down. <laughs> I will add, I will add that, that, that uh, John, the individual, my dad, um, the, the, the Joker in real life also pulled one of the greatest fast ones in personal <laughs> life that I have ever experienced, which was this. He was still wearing a tube in daily life. Um, he started dating the lady to whom he has now been married for 30, 30 years, 30, almost 31. Uh, or it is 31. It's over 31. Shit. So they were just starting to date. And and my stepmom, Val, was over at the apartment uh, at my, my dad's place. And I was hanging out and we were sitting in the living area. And he decided to pull a fast one. Uh, and very casually, while we're all hanging out, undid one clip, very casually undid another clip <laughs> on the sides. And then um, he has historically been a tremendous sneezer, the kind of guy that really gets into a sneeze to let it all out. I mean, it's you could ask any one of my siblings uh, the sound of my dad sneezing and they will all say barhuni. It's this it's this very particular sound. So very casually undoes the clips, starts to build up a big sneeze, lets it go. And this fucking tooth flies off his head. So it lands flat in front of his face because the, the, the top stick is still right at the at the crown. And I it's I think the relationship is over. I'm like, oh, no, Val is going to freak out. She's going to run screaming from this apartment. I cannot believe how embarrassing this moment is. And I look over and the two of them are giggling like school kids. The school kids. They set me up. I love I love that so much. Do you, so do you remember that, Pop? 
Very well. Oh, man, you nailed me. You got me good. Uh, you know how I began to sneeze that way? No, I don't. Well, when I grew a mustache, I didn't want to get any uh, what Val would have called Hanabata <laughs> uh, from my nose onto the uh, uh, mustache. Uh-huh. And uh, so... Uh, I found a way to sneeze without uh, <laughs> exhaling through my nose. I, I made it all come through my mouth. A professional. And that's why it, it, it's the way it is. That, that, that's, that's completely insane. What and, a scoop. And brilliant. And absolutely brilliant. A capital did, idea, if you, you will. Did you grow the mustache for Gomez? Because you didn't have one on Dickens and Finster. No. I I was then with uh, an agency called Creative Artists Association, and uh, I I had a good relationship with an agent named Roland Perkins, uh, who was a very fine agent, and uh, we were discussing what might be viable, you know, uh -huh. and so uh, Roland got me an episode of The Farmer's Daughter, mm. the the uh, the show with Inger Stevens yeah. and Bill Wyndham, and they played husband and wife, and he was a congressman. And so I played a congressman, and uh, I remember a very nice actress named Ann Helm played my wife in that show, and I wore a mustache. And when Roland saw the show, he said, why don't you give it a try? It looked pretty good. Uh -huh. And uh, so... I uh, I started to grow it, and uh, there was a telethon that I did a lot of the telethon hosting with Max Mom in New York. But I um, this was before that. Uh, it was a muscular dystrophy thing still, but this was from Los Angeles, and I decided to uh, see what it looked like on that telethon, and I did that. And it wasn't long after that that I got the call about the Adams family. That was a nineteen sixty-four. I think was when Adams family started. Nineteen sixty-four. Did they want to make you shave your mustache for uh, the Riddler? Did that? Did that ever well, come up? They, no, I wasn't shaving it then, no matter what. I have to. I have to get something real quick because that's uh, it's relevant. This is very right. unprofessional of me, but no, that's fine. We'll we'll fill the air. So, uh, so how you been? How, yeah, not bad, Pop. How's your day going? Okay. Hey, did you did you eat that? Uh, did you eat the? Anything? I haven't eaten anything yet. I'm Are back. you kidding me? No, I'm going to oh, eat it afterwards. No. So it's, I here. We were catching up. Oh. Thanks for bringing it. This yeah, is my um, this is a piece of art that I did. <laughs> It says, my oh, Riddler has a mustache. That's fantastic. I love it. Uh, yeah, so I have that, these. That's terrific. I have a bunch of these. I have buttons. Yeah, that's because, again, if no one's going to make John Aston Riddler merchandise, I will fill the void. <laughs> and I, I uh, broke my professional hosting duties to to go fetch that because when that's else? Okay. That's OK. I think I think you, you, you'll uh, you'll enjoy our well, hopefully you'll enjoy the exchange. Uh, oh, no. while you're away. <laughs> oh, you can probably hear us. 
Oh, no, no, you no, took I didn't air my headphones on. Oh, jeez. I'm going to have to go back and edit. No, um, no but it, I mean... was perfect. it was perfectly, it was, it was decent is what it was. It was <laughs> Just decent. A whole bunch of expletives flying. No, I don't care. Um, well, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to um, take up all of your time. I feel so blessed and honored. Uh, I could honestly do this for a telethon for just the rest of uh, the rest of quarantine. <laughs> Are y'all quarantined together or y'all? Yeah, we, I'm going to walk out of the shot here. Oh, and I'll walk the show. No, no, we're, we're, we're about a mile apart. We're, we're quarantined separately. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that is Val and I are together here. And uh, Mac and Jennifer are together Good. in their place. I feel I feel for all the people that are quarantined alone <laughs> right now. Yeah. I don't know how the how people are doing that. And yeah. John, you, you're still teaching, right? Correct. Like that's amazing. <laughs> and I gotta I gotta I gotta do some writing. Yeah. <laughs> uh well i mean we can um we can call it we can call it a day if that's if if you're if, if, if you have to get get to get to work i am um completely honored <laughs> well, there's a show at five o'clock that i gotta do <laughs> oh no <laughs> uh, this, this is that show Dad. Oh, <laughs> oh is this that show oh, <laughs> oh that's good so i made it yeah okay. Not here in time. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, well. No, this has been fun. Uh, I've enjoyed it a lot. It, and there are more stories. I I mean, I am always up for uh, sequels, <laughs> a whole running series of stories. I mean, I didn't even get to ask you about Step by Step, which <laughs> I'm sure. About what? About Step by Step. step. By step. <laughs> I mean, you got to you got to hang out with the well, code man. Which uh, which episode are you talking about? I mean, you did two or three. You did a Christmas two, one, two. two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the I one where you, I, I, I'm not sure, but I think one, it's just you almost committed suicide by jumping out a plane, right? <laughs> TJF got dark. It was a really dark episode. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, you, you and Patrick Duffy were good buddies. Yeah, show, though, and uh, they they uh, they wrote. They, they wrote interesting stuff. It seems like you were the kind of person that a show was like, we need a guest star who's going to knock it out of the park. Get John Aston. Like, that seems like what the Charles in Charge episode, the Webster episodes, like, <laughs> like, it just seems like that's what it was. I mean, were people, I'm sure you didn't have to audition for all those roles. No, no. Yeah. Uh, the, the Charles in Charge was the pickle king. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the range and it made the pickles you go from that to playing an ice cream salesman on step by step like what all the food well uh the uh that first episode not the one uh falling through space but the uh the one uh where we uh got the ice cream headaches yeah <laughs> that was really an unusual i mean uh, both shows were very unusual <laughs> i enjoyed them and i well i God, I just, there's so many things I could ask about, but I feel, I also just want to also touch upon Grandpapa Adams, since we have been mostly talking about Adams Family. While I have you, I feel like I need to ask, what was it like playing against another Gomez? Well, I, uh, I got a kick out of putting the costume back on, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it had been quite a while. Probably about 20 years or so. That was the, the late interesting thing was Fox had bought the right to use the original scripts for the shows. 
that's what that show was based on. Oh. And uh, I, I didn't, I, I saw the ones that I did, but I, I didn't see any anything else. It was just really cool seeing you as Gomez on those shows because you haven't, you don't miss a beat. It's like 30 years later from the original series, but you are still at the same energy level. <laughs> as always. <laughs> I mean, did, how did you do all of those physical stunts? I mean, were you a very physical performer back when, you know? Yeah. Just... Uh, in, in the course of my career, I did a lot of stunts. Yeah. Actually, Dickens and Fenster, I didn't have a double. So uh, all of that stuff that involved me doing it, I did. Uh, and the stuntmen who were hired occasionally to come on the show were very nice to me and uh, showed me things that uh, helped uh, keep me from injury, actually. <laughs> they kept Gomez alive, which, yes. which is all we want. Well, yeah. uh, it has been absolutely um, fantastic. Thank you so much for being around to celebrate my 100th episode. <laughs> this is um, well the best. <laughs> Here's wishing you the best for the next hundred. Yeah, which I hopefully will be out of quarantine and I can do them in person again. But it's you know, like, it's been uh, fun. <laughs> um, no, if they if if people don't start <laughs> treating this uh, pandemic as something real, yeah, as serious as it actually is, and I am. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I'm not going out. I'm I'm staying here. Uh, please. <laughs> And, uh, at my age, you know, I'm a, I'm a target risk for that thing. And yeah, yeah. No, well, here's you. hoping, here's hoping the 200th episode is one that we can uh, breathe freely upon. Yeah. <laughs> I'll drive down yes. to Baltimore. I'll rent a car. I'll come down <laughs> to a, a live, a live event. Um, hey pop, thanks for, uh, thanks for surprising us, man. Yeah. It's a, it a great move. Oh, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you so much. I will continue to um, also write more glowing things about the, uh, the the great John Aston for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's lovely. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> and that does it for this episode of Must Have CTV, the 100th episode. Thanks again to my guests, Mackenzie Aston and TV legend John Aston for dropping by and talking about the Adams Family and Batman and Step by Step and The Odd Couple and <laughs> just legends, legends and tales uh, with me. Next time I'll be discussing, you know what? I don't know what I can't think at all right now. Um, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brett White. Follow the podcast at Must End, Must Have Seen TV. Um, thanks to ACAST for hosting the podcast. Go to decider.com and read. My uh, John Aston is the best sitcom guest star ever post because it's true. It fully is. Uh, thanks to ACAST for hosting the podcast, but I didn't say that already. Thanks to everyone for listening. And you know what? We're now in the holiday gauntlet. So I'll see you next time on Must Have Seen TV Halloween. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.